Hello, welcome to the Sahaja Meditation Program. Today we're looking at a very special personality, William Blake. And it's actually his 256th anniversary from his date of birth, just a couple of days ago on the 28th of November. So we thought it was timely to look at his life and see the different spiritual aspects that he had within his life and his accomplishment throughout his life. You were just listening to one of his poems that they've made into a song. So I'll just uh, pass across to Madhavi who will um, read it out to you. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountain green? And was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pasture seen? And did a countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring my arose of desire. Bring me my spear. O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword slip in my hand, till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. That was many, one of uh, many poems that William Blake wrote. That was part of the Milton extract. And he, he was an artist, he was a poet, he was a visionary. He was, from early childhood, he had visions. And some of the visions that he had were, at the age of four, he saw God put his head to the window. Around the age of nine, while walking... Through the countryside he saw a tree filled with angels. His parents observed that he was different from his peers and did not force him to attend conventional school. He learned to read and write at home. At the age of ten, Blake expressed a wish to become a painter, so his parents sent him to drawing school. Two years later, Blake began to write poetry. One of Blake's assignments as an apprentice was to sketch different scenery and exposed him to a variety of different gothic styles from which he would draw inspiration throughout his career. At the age of seven year, after his seven year term ended, he studied briefly at the Royal Academy. He married an illiterate woman named Catherine Butcher. Then Blake taught her how to read and write and also instructed her in draftsmanship Later she helped him print the illuminated poetry for which he is remembered today. William Blake was a master of what we call in Sahaja Yoga as the left side. Within ourselves we have an energy system which is placed on the same place as our nervous system. We have different what we call chakras which means wheel of energy within different parts of our body. And these chakras are placed on the same place as our nerve plexuses are along the spine within ourselves. We also have channels. We have three channels within us. We have a left channel, a right channel, and the central channel. The left channel is the right hemisphere of the brain, which crosses over and runs down the left side of the, of the spine, and vice versa with the right channel. 
these two hemispheres of the brain or channels relate to different qualities that we have within ourselves. In very simple terms, the left channel relates more to emotional desire to do with the past, whereas the right channel is a channel of action of the future. Sometimes these are represented as the moon and sun channels. The life of William Blake was really that of the mastery of the left channel, the mastery of emotions, of desires. And throughout his life he tried to lift the desire and lift the pure inspiration, all the positive and constructive desires of the left channel. And he portrayed that throughout his artwork and his visions and he was really an ins inspiration at the time. And some, sometimes people didn't really appreciate his work at the time, but that's lived on throughout the years, and now people can really see what his true message was. In Sahaja Yoga, when we meditate, we actually also enlighten this left channel, and we achieve a pure desire which is the constructive desire we have within ourselves. I'm now going to let Madhavi guide you through a meditation where we put our hands on each of these energy centers along the spine and ask a special energy, which is located at the base of the spine, known as Kundalini energy, to rise up and give us that state of meditation. Meditation is a state where you're completely alert and aware, but without any thought. So you're thoughtlessly aware. You can think when, if you want to think, but you're just enjoying being in the present. Completely alert and aware, but without any thoughts. And in that state, you achieve inspiration as well from your left channel. And also from the right channel, that inspiration can be put into action in your day-to-day -day life. So please um, be seated on a chair on the ground. If you are, um, are sitting on a chair, keep your feet apart, so remove your shoes and take a few deep breaths. If you are driving, if you have some time, you can just um, uh, pull, the, pull up on the side of the road and um, go through this uh, meditation or simply put your attention on the top of your head. In the course of this meditation, what we, we hope to achieve together is um, to sustain our attention above our mind in a state that Shimadaji Nimaladevi, the founder of Sahajaga, calls the thoughtless awareness, where you are fully aware of everything, but without a thought if you wish to. And in this state is where you realize who you are. That's why we call this process of self-realization. It's very simple. It's very, very relaxing. And at that time, and through this first initial meditation, you have what we call the awakening of the Kundalini. And the Kundalini resides in the sacrum bone. And through simple affirmations, this energy is rising along the spine, crossing six centers of energy, and then this energy, it is this energy, will put you in this state and give you the self-realization, the yoga, the union of yourself with the reality.
take a few deep breaths, we breathe in, hold that breath, and breathe out. position of receiving. Our shoulders are relaxed. Our body is relaxed. We observe how we're feeling now and see, we'll see how we feel at the end of the meditation. Today I would like to invite you to straightaway put the right hand, the center of the palm of the right hand on the fontanelle, on the top of the head. The left hand is on the lap and the right hand is massaging the scalp on the fontanelle area. We massage the scalp in a clockwise direction. We move the scalp and here we ask this energy, the Kundalini energy. Kundalini energy, please give me my self-realization. Please give me the yoga. Please give me my self-realization. right hand above our head, maybe 10 centimeters above the head, and see if we can feel a breeze, a cool breeze. This breeze is the, is the manifestation of the awakening of the Kundalini. If this breeze cannot be felt, it's all right. We together can just help to balance the left side and the right side in order to feel it better. So we bring the right hand back on the lap and we are going to do an exercise of balancing the left channel and the right channel. We start with the left channel by keeping the left hand on our lap, palm up, and the right hand is going towards the ground. So here we are going to help lightening up the left channel, clear the left channel. As Marcus mentioned earlier, the left channel is the channel of our emotions, the channel of our past, is the moon side. This side sometimes is also called the dark side. If we go too far into the left side, into the past, into the melancholy, the nostalgia, So here we surrender to Mother Earth all the tensions affecting the left channel. Our tension is on the top of the head, on the music on her breathing. So by keeping our attention away from her mind, this balancing occurs faster.
all this process, we do nothing. We completely surrender to the Kundalini energy, a very motherly, feminine energy that we can sometimes stress as mother. This energy knows us very well. She knows what is our need at the present moment. This energy is very caring, very, very soothing. It is this energy opens the heart. It is this energy who relaxes us, nourishes all the chakras along the spine, relaxes all the nerves and the entire being. Mother Kundalini, please clear our left side. Strengthen our left side. the right hand on the lap, palm up and we fold the le left elbow in a 90 degree angle our fingers are pointing towards the ceiling our left palm is facing the back wall and this is going to help to clear the right channel which is the channel used to plan for the future is a channel for our actions and if we go too far it's through this channel that anger can be expressed domination over controlling nature so all these can be rebalanced by this exercise which is helps to clear the overuse of this channel by allowing the excess of energy to be evacu evacuated into the ether element.
we can bring the left hand back on the lap and with our right hand we are going to rise in front of our body the kundalini from the sacrum under the belly button so from there we with our palm up our right hand is slowly rising in front of the body along the spine till the top of the head where we press our right palm on the fontanelle so our attention goes to the fontanelle and we start again from the sacrum very gently very slowly we rise this energy we hold this energy to rise till the top of the head and we can rise our right hand above the head and see if we can feel a cool breeze if you felt it before observe if you can feel a difference this breeze can be felt better bring the right hand back on the lap you can try with the left hand so rise your kundalini till the top of the head and press on the fontanelle and rise your left hand 10 centimeters above the head and see if you can feel cool breeze bring the left hand back on the lap if you cannot feel anything yet it's okay especially if it's the first time that you are trying this meditation now we're going to be in a state of thoughtless awareness of meditation and observe how we feel inside if we feel more peaceful more relaxed and if we can sustain the thoughtless awareness if we can reduce our thoughts to no thoughts at all we have to be aware that we are many meditating together every Sunday morning and this collective meditation is very strong and each and every one is part of the whole and by meditating together it helps our own individual meditation so all our attention is together thoughtless awareness in the last in the top chakra at the level of the fontanelle and here we stay without a thought just being the witness
if any thoughts come, just witness the thought. Especially in the morning, our mind needs to empty itself. So the me morning meditation sometimes might have quite a few thoughts at the beginning. We do not need to fight the thoughts. We just need to watch the thoughts. Surrender the thoughts. Especially if the attention can be kept on the top chakra. We can also say I forgive. I forgive these thoughts. I forgive myself. I forgive everyone. So we can try for a little while longer to watch the thoughts if they come or we can try to forgive our thoughts just to remain in thoughtless awareness and feel how the Kundalini energy relaxes us how this energy gives us a state of meditation the states where we are all one While you're in this state of meditation, you can listen to a talk that we'll play where the founder of Sahaja Yoga, Srimadaji Maladevi, speaks about the inspirational life of William Blake. such an honor for all of us to pay this homage to the great poet, printer, and a prophet that was William Blake. When I first came to England, they have been telling me that England is a place of scholarship and you can see lots of museums and exhibitions. And suddenly I told the Sahajogis that I would like to go and see Kate Gallery for William Blake's paintings. They were surprised because I seldom go to any one of them, especially the libraries and the books. And when I went there, I saw this great poet, this great personality, pouring out his heart with such concern, with such honesty, with such understanding and perception of the divine to the people of England to understand the great powers of divinity. But to my surprise, there were some funny people. They had 
brought some magnifying glasses and they were looking at the drawings and we were watching the private parts of people. I said, look at these wretched, absolutely baser people who cannot see the sublime, the highest, which he wanted to paint. And they were taking photographs. I was surprised the way people reacted. And then I realized how tormented he must have been in his lifetime to live with such people who have no sense of divine. He must have cried in the wilderness. He must have wept. He could not have been accepted. It's impossible. Such low-level minds cannot accept something that's sublime and great. And my heart bled with pain. Oh God, why did he take his birth in a place like this? To torment himself, to torture himself, saying something which cannot be accepted. But it's not so. I knew who he was, what he is doing, why he was here. We do not know about him much, because from the books you can't understand who he could have been. He was an incarnation of Bhairavnath. That's whom you call the Saint Michael or Saint George, who is, as you know, the Saint Angel of England. That's why he had to incarnate. And for him, this was his role to talk about divine in an open, fearless manner. He had to use symbolic, symbolic language. He had to use. It's not difficult to understand him at all. If you are a realized soul, you will read through it sometimes laughing, sometimes weeping, enjoying the whole drama, what he has tried to express. When I read him, I'm amazed at his sense of humor, how he openly comes out with such remarks. I feel he is like Markandeya in India or Kabir Das in India who slashed the whole society with them, sowed all the time to see that they are brought to the proper shape, without fear, but so gently. If you read the song of the tale, it's so gentle. And all of them who wear him perhaps, or are the same style, extremely open, straightforward, you can say even blatant, and extremely gentle. The vision of Christ that he has described is the one which he sees through his own enlightened eyes. And he sees that the vision is completely distorted, is the opposite of what Christ was. I also felt the same way. I took my birth in a Protestant Christian family. I was shocked the way the Christians were. I said, are these the Christians? Now the point he brings forth is very clear cut, you can understand, that in the mannerism, if you are gentle, I am sorry, I am afraid, I doubt. Just look at that. It's very commonly we use this language. He says that Christ was not a gentleman of that kind. I also say, I'm not seeking election. I'm not here to please you. But I'm here to make you please yourself. 
to enjoy yourself, to have your all wealth enjoyed, manifested. That is how he also put the vision of Christ before you, that he was not a gentleman who would go around and be extremely gentle to people and nice to them, superficial. Only the mannerism of it. But he would be so gentle with the people who are lowly. He created divinity out of fishermen who were ordinary people, uneducated. Absolutely, we can say, people who were one of the lowest in the state of society. He picked them up and made them divine. He didn't go to the ministers and the prime ministers and the governors. He did not. When you see all the great people who are supposed to be looking after the religion part of it, they are busy only with governors and they are only busy with the kings and the queens who must go and bow to them. They are politically activated people. How can a divine person get into this mess of politics which human beings have created? But we don't understand it because we try to rationalize everything. And thank God he's the one who talked against rationality. And against all the intellectual ideas of putting down Christ to the mere level of a human being. Because he was himself divine and he could understand Christ. He was so much pestered and actually persecuted that he used to get depression sometimes. And he had problems of money, problems of convincing his brother and sister, everybody trying to make him feel uneasy. Such a fine soul came on this earth to talk of Jerusalem. What did he mean by Jerusalem? What is Jerusalem? We go to Jerusalem for pilgrimage. Why? Because Christ was born there. England will become Jerusalem when Christ will be born here. But how many of English people today care for the spirit? English language itself is such a funny one that we use the word spirit for drinking, the spirit that you call alcohol, spirit for the dead souls, which hang around, many more here, and spirit for the Atma, the spirit. When he came on this earth, the industrial revolution had not taken its respite. People were still entering into those mills, as he calls them. And he saw the scribes, how they were behaving, and he saw the whole myth of religion, he does not know that all religions were doing the same nonsense everywhere, not only Christianity. You go to any other country and see every religion is the same style of a nonsense which is opposite of what the prophets told them, of what the incarnations told them, of what all the great sages told them. This is not only about Christianity, but still, Nobody can forgive it because Christianity has a special fervor, has a special role, has a special meaning. That's what he's tried to also say that Moses came on this earth to lay down the code of conduct, morality, the moral things. And also he describes Milton as a person who describes a deity who is above everything a puritanical deity. But he describes the divine humanity. Also he describes the Christ who came on this earth for the emancipation of human beings. Not to tell them don't do this and don't do that. That was all right at the time of Moses in the beginning of it. The code of it. And he calls it a moral Christianity. 
meaning immoral must be. Because if you force someone into something and pass such laws and regulations at this time, modern times, it's going to be impossible for human beings to follow and they'll fall into some other traps. Strict rules of anything imposed on people who are not realized soon can push them into some sort of problems. They can become criminals, they can become violent as a reaction, and we see the reaction to their acting, that the hypocrisy of the whole thing is exposed. Like in India or anywhere else, they will say, you should not be attached to money. Give the money to the church, to the temple, to the mosque, to the, all the people to enjoy it. The kind of life people led in those days in the name of God was no model for anyone. And that's how poets like him were born again and again. I would say that in Lebanon, a great poet like Khaliji Brad was born. And then in India, we had so many such poets who just lashed the society and lashed all these ideas of the intellectuals, the ideas of the religions, the ones who were trying to form them. Because there was no genuineness, there was no sincerity. If we are honest people, we really mean it, then let us face it and see for ourselves what we have to achieve. So that is how he came as a poet, a remarkable poet, the way he rhymes it and the sense of humor he has, and the way he unfolds the beauty of words as any poet should. Sahaj Yoga Meditation Program. Um, just before uh, the song by Nusrat Fatali Khan, we were listening to a talk by Shimada Jini Maradevi on um, William Blake. And it was really beautiful to see how passionately Shimadaji was talking about this amazing poet and visionary and prophet incarnation. And Shimadaji mentioned that he was incarnation of um, Sri Bhairava or St. George, who is the um, uh, the patron in England and there is um, something that um, I've heard from uh, a Sajogi in, uh, in Spain apparently on the 27th of April the streets of Barcelona and any Catalan cities are filled with red roses and book stalls and this is to um, celebrate St. George who killed a dragon and the tradition is for the men to give their fiancé or their wife a red rose and for her to give him a book so the popular medieval legend tells um, how St. George slays a dragon who is about to devour a princess and how a rose bush um, of red roses grows out of the blood of the dragon. And therefore, um, this is the tradition of giving a woman a red rose. Um, we have many different legends of this kind. And in this tradition, we can see that... Um, the dragon is a kind of an archetype that represents the darkness of ignorance and negative tendencies, which is defeated by St. George, the archetype also known as the Archangel Michael or also Sri Bhairava, which is representing the light of goodness and bravery 
and a pure desire to protect the purity, the chastity and the goodness of the principle and of the eternal feminine, represented by the princess. This archetypical battle takes place within each human being in the area of her left side, left channel, representing, as we mentioned, our desires, our emotional energy. Um, and um, the dragon represents the type of energy that is more primitive, brutal, dark, and this clouds our awareness and pure desire to evolve and become a higher being and can manifest also in a form of, you know, anger and uh, this pretty ugly and um, negative tendencies and desires. The way the blood of the dragon, the very sap of his existence, turned into beautiful flowers would symbolize the potential of the energy of the left side. The left side also has this energy of pure desire, of beauty and love that transformed the human being into a fragrant flower. And the fact that man gives a flower to the woman would seem to acknowledge that this represents the battle within man to bring out the best in him. The offering of a flower being one of the most valid ways uh, for men to approach a woman or also a way to worship the feminine, the, 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 the goddess inside himself and inside the women in every human being. A woman being the archetype of love and beauty and evolution. It is a desire of a woman that can move the man to defeat his negative tendencies and uncover love and beauty within himself. She gives him a book which will be a symbol of pure knowledge, the knowledge of universal values, righteousness, that can help trigger the pure desire power within the left side and dispel the clouds of ignorance and kindle the desire to grow into a beautiful being, a divine being. So we're running close to the end of our program now. So if you'd like to know more about Sahaj Yoga, there's plenty on the internet that you can look at. Um, if you're listening to us internationally, you can go to www.freemeditation.com. That's www.freemeditation.com. And in Australia, you can do the same, but it's .com.au. Thanks for listening to this program, and um, we hope that you enjoy your meditation. So we're finishing this program with a beautiful song by um, Eero Einonen who is the bass uh, musician of um, uh, the Rasmus and uh, uh, his song is called The Prayer Song. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Love is vibration of heart Love is vibration of heart Sound is vibration of air The sacred bloom Love is vibration of heart Love is vibration of heart In the dream of the sound begins the song I wanna be one with the sun I wanna walk this one with the wave maker Wanna be one with the sun And I ask you And I ask you to come along Would you listen to the language of vibrations? Our heart hears the call of vibrations beyond, beyond. I wanna be one with the sound.